From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The male gonads, or testicles, are the primary male reproductive organs. They produce sperm and they secrete hormones, primarily testosterone. There can be problems which call for the help from a specialist like Dr. Anthony Tracy, who's in the HealthLink on Air studio with me today. Dr. Tracy is an assistant professor of urology at Upstate, and he specializes in pediatric urology. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Tracy. Thank you so much for having me today. So I want to ask you about a condition that I guess it affects newborn baby boys, undescended testes. So is that something when a baby is born, um, is that a problem that becomes apparent? Yeah, so I mean, it's something that's very common when uh, newborn babies are are born. Certainly, um, premature babies um, frequently have undescended testicles. Um, The testicles normally descend um, in utero. Uh, when they do not, um, typically we give them a good three months after birth to kind of slowly work their way down. Um, if they don't come down by that time, they really should be seen by a pediatric urologist specialist who specializes in undescended testicle surgery. Um, typically, you don't do any kind of um, surgery until the baby's at least six months old post-gestational age. So the testes develop uh, in a baby in the torso area, and then they have to fall into place? Great question. So, so they, they start out and develop in the retroperitoneum, and they slowly work their way down through the retroperitoneum, through the groin, and then into the scrotum. And there's all different kinds of hormone pathways that um, influence that descent. So the retroperitoneum, and that's like the pelvis area? The, the retroperitoneum is behind the um, intestines and, and that kind of stuff where the kidneys oh, okay. and the uh, great vessels lie. Okay. Now, what causes the testes to descend? Or, like, do they get a signal from the brain that it's time to descend? Or, or what would impede them from descending? So there, there are some anatomical issues that could impede testicles. Uh, for example, if the child has an abnormally large bladder or something like that, but that's exceptionally rare. Typically, um, insulin um, growth hormone factor 3 uh, is the most common um, hormone that's attributed to making the testicles descend into the groin. Once they get into the groin area, which is like the inguinal canal, um, once we get to that area, um, androgens, most um, chiefly testosterone, causes descent into the actual scrotum itself. All right. Now, what would happen uh, if someone never got this treated? If a, if a baby, if this went un, uncared for? That's a good question. So, you know, we know that an intra-abdominal undescent testicle um, has a much higher chance of invasive cancer than a testicle that's either in the scrotum or in the groin. Um, so it's very important to bring testicles either down to the scrotum, if that's possible, or if the testicle is not viable for a number of different reasons, it's important to take it out, again, for elimination of cancer risk. Okay, interesting. Well, let's uh, switch the conversation and talk uh, about testicular torsion. So testicular torsion is a really important thing to talk about because it affects... Um, boys around the peripubital age where the testicle twists on his blood supply due to a congenital malformation in the testicle and scrotum connection. And when that happens, there's an acute um, testicle pain and sometimes abdominal pain and nausea and vomiting. And when that occurs, you have, you know, about six hours to save the testicle. Um, Ideally, you want to get to the, the operating room much sooner than that. So the twisting, is that just caused by the way a, a, a boy moves? It's not. We think that it's um, caused by a deformity of development where it's called a bell, flapper, a bell clapper phenomenon, where the testicle is supposed to attach to the scrotum to prevent it from twisting. 
and we feel that when that does not occur, the testicle is able to twist on its blood supply easier, and just randomly it'll twist either you know when a boy wakes up in the morning for no reason or during vigorous activity, and that's a, a surgical emergency. So you mentioned pain. Is that the primary symptom? So you're going to have a sudden sharp pain with a um, referred pain to the abdomen and then a lot of times nausea and vomiting Okay. before any kind of swelling or redness occurs. And so it's an emergency you need to get to the hospital emergency room for. What do you do for that? How is it treated once it, once the person arrives? Well, I say the the most important thing, you know, for the families out there is that, you know, when you have something that's that urgent, you don't want to take your child to an urgent care or something like that. You want to go straight really to a pediatric ER straight to Galisano Hospital would be where I would take my son. Okay. All right. Um, what is done typically based on the presentation is that if the presentation is, you know, classic for torsion, the child can go straight to the operating room. Um, most times they get a, an ultrasound of the scrotum, which will show a diminished blood flow. Um, if either of those things occurs, during surgery we usually tack down both sides so the other side doesn't twist because, you know, the other side is also at risk for torsion as well. So the surgery is basically to untwist what it what is twisted? Exactly. So the, okay. the surgery, you know, conceptually is quite simple. We open up the scrotum, we untwist the vessels, make sure that that testicle is viable and that blood supply is returning to it. And if that is the case, then we um, suture the testicle into the scrotum into place with three-point fixation on both sides. And you mentioned like a six-hour window um, that this is urgent that needs to be taken care of. If someone comes in... Beyond that window, mm-hmm. what are the risks? I mean, could, could a man lose his testicle? Absolutely. From this? Yeah, really? and so that's the most important thing. Now, certainly, um, after that six-hour window, testicles still could be viable, but we know from you know a lot of good um, research that you know that six-hour window is really the optimal time to fix it. Can you tell what man is prone to developing this ahead of time? So there there is a, a good amount of familial. Um, relationship where if it, if torsion runs in the family, that's that's one thing that could be a risk factor. Um, we know that on ultrasound, if a testicle has a certain kind of lie or horizontal lie, that is sometimes indicative that they don't have that that connection and they have that belt clapper deformity. Um, but there's no screening tests for that. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Anthony Tracy. He's an assistant professor of urology, and he specializes in pediatric urology. Can we talk about testicular cancer? I've read that this uh, is most common. It's the most common cancer in young men, like mm-hmm. 15 to 34. Is, is that your experience? Absolutely. And it's a, it's a very treatable cancer. Um, I think the most important thing is um, serial self-examinations. Um, testicular cancer most commonly presents as a painless, hard lesion on the testicle itself. Uh, now, on the so, exterior? Well, just when you feel the testicle through the scrotum, you can feel a hard mass. Okay. Is it round? Is it like a ball or is it uh, uneven? It's usually uneven feeling. Um, certainly testicular cancer can present with pain at times, um, but, that, but that's not the most common thing. Um, frequently, you know, men will have testicular, testicular pain and that concerns them, of course, and they get an ultrasound. And so whenever there is a question, the best thing is, you know, talk to your primary care physician, get a scrotal ultrasound. And when that occurs, we're able to identify anything that's concerning. Um, So I think it's always good. We're always happy to, you know, kind of check a patient out and say there's nothing wrong rather than wait too long. So you mentioned, is it regular, like a self-exam? Do you recommend what, like monthly? 
self-exams for men? I think it's a lot like, you know, screening for breast cancer where um, there's, you know, self-exam. Probably the best time to do it is in the shower um, and just uh, examine one's testicles, as funny as that sounds, to make sure there's no new hard lumps or bumps that weren't there before. So if a man makes it into your office with a concern about a lump or a bump, what is done to diagnose whether this is testicular cancer? The first test that's usually done, other than a physical exam, is getting a scrotal ultrasound. Um, if that shows a solid mass in the testicles, that's testicle cancer until proven otherwise. Um, there aren't a lot of solid tumors in the testicle that are not cancer. So for treatment, does treatment mean um, removing the testicle? Treatment is uh, it's very important for staging. So if there is a testis mass, that's a, you know, a um, solid testis lesion in the testicle, that's removed. Um, prior to that, there probably will be a CT scan of the abdomen, pelvis, and chest to make sure it hasn't spread um, to the lymph nodes, as we talked about earlier. Um, since the testicle starts in the retroperitoneum, that's where we see the lymph node enlargement when it spreads. Even when there is lymph node involvement and even lung involvement, um, for most testicle cancers, the survival prognosis is excellent for men. So you would have surgery, but then you might also have some follow-up treatment. So surgery is the first step uh, based on the pathology and uh, the tumor markers and that kind of thing. Uh, then there's either radiation or chemotherapy or observation. Do we know if there's anything that raises a man's risk for developing testicular cancer? Well, as we were talking about earlier, certainly a family history of testicle cancer. Um, undescent testicles are uh, well documented to have a higher risk of testicle cancer. Um, occupational exposure, radiation, um, uh, HIV, for example, is a risk factor for testicle cancer. Mm. Um, so there, there are many that are, that are out there. Well, I want to ask you about trauma to the groin area that causes um, maybe pain and, and swelling. Is that something that can be treated or should be treated? Absolutely. Again, so the most important thing when there is, you know, a traumatic car accident, a traumatic bike injury, a traumatic sports event um, in a young, young man, you want to go straight, again, to a children's hospital, children's ER, where we have trauma specialists, where we have devices and ultrasounds that can diagnose that very quickly and take appropriate action necessary or observation if necessary. So how do you know, like, if, if a boy gets kicked in the groin, mm -hmm. How do you know as a parent whether that's something that needs to be seen by a doctor or if, you know, ice and rest is, is warranted? It's, it's difficult. Um, I think it's, it's always better to err on the side of caution and go to the emergency room. Um, an early diagnosis is much better than a late diagnosis. So it's easy to go to the emergency room with a, a swollen, bruised scrotum. Ultrasound shows that everything's okay. The testicles are intact. There's no blood. Um, and just, you know, elevation and, and support. Um, it's much easier to reassure a parent when nothing's wrong than to kind of um, have to play backup quarterback um, when something's wrong and was missed. So in the event of trauma, could, could trauma cause like the torsion emergency? It's possible. That we talked about? Absolutely. What are, what are some other things that could happen um, in a traumatic injury? Um, you know, a lot of times we see kids are, are playing sports, either football or basketball or lacrosse or baseball, where if they weren't wearing athletic um, protection device, they can get struck in the testicles, and that can cause testicular rupture, um, oh. which, which is serious and needs to be fixed right away. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that there's other non-traumatic reasons that uh, the, my, a man might have uh, swelling or pain in the testicles, um, things like infections. Absolutely. Things like that. What do you do for that? So when someone comes in with, like, you know, 
a hard, you know, swollen scrotum that's red, you know, if we eliminate that there's no torsion or trauma, then we say, well, is there an infection? You know, there could be something called orchitis, which is inflammation of the testicle. There, there's something called epididymitis, which is inflammation of the epididymis. That can be caused by um, bacterial causes, viral causes, um, idiopathic causes where we're not really sure. But it's really important to evaluate that as well. Can you tell me about the pediatric urology specialty? Like, what was your training? So after, you know, one does a five to six year residency in urology, then you do a separate two to three year pediatric urology fellowship. Okay. Which involves one year of clinical practice and then one year of a research-based uh, focus. And then, so here at Upstate, you uh, have a partner that's also a pediatric urologist? Yes, Dr. Matthew Mason. And then between the two of you, what kind of an area do you serve? We serve pretty much uh, all of central New York. We get a lot of folks from the North Country up towards Watertown, Ogdensburg, um, and the Adirondacks, all the way towards east, towards Albany, and then um, out west towards Rochester. And so your patients would be newborn up to, what, 18 or 21? What's the Usually we're, we're going for uh, newborn to age 18. Okay. And the majority of your patients... Um, need surgery or a specialist, right? They don't come just for like a regular checkup or primary right. care. So, you know, usually we'll see patients when there's concern about any kind of penile abnormality, any kind of circumcision issue. We'll see patients that have what's called hydronephrosis or dilation of the kidneys. So a lot of times we'll see expectant mothers um, that have some kind of abnormality of the fetus and we see the mothers and then we see the child once it's born. So you need to see the mother ahead of time just to prepare her for what to expect exactly okay so we look at we look at the films we look at the the prenatal ultrasounds which is also part of our training and then we order tests when the baby's born just to wrap up because we've talked about a lot of things what are the most common things that you see in your practice we see a good deal of undescended testicles we see a lot of penile abnormalities whether it's a circumcision that there's too much skin left over or um, where there's phimosis where the foreskin can't be retracted after a certain age we see a great deal of um, hypospadias um, what is that? Which is where the uh, male meatus, the, the, the urine hole, essentially is on the bottom side of the penis to a varying degrees. Um, I would say that, you know, when parents are concerned, um, it's always important to bring them to a children's hospital. Um, in central New York, our children's hospital is Galasano uh, in Syracuse. And so when, how would a parent know that they should be concerned? Is it just sort of anything that seems unusual, or would they go to their primary care doctor first and then be referred? I think the most appropriate thing is when the child, you know, is stable um, and they just have a question about a, an appearance of something, you want to go to your primary care. If the patient, if they're concerned about the patient, if there's fevers or they're not themselves or they're, you know, listless and that kind of thing, then you want to take them to the emergency room. But certainly just for a question about some, the way something looks, um, you don't want to use the emergency room for that. Thank you to Dr. Anthony Tracy. He's an assistant professor of urology, and he specializes in pediatric urology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.